0: Active FM presents Food, food for Thought
1: with talk, Pastor Kevin and, and Pastor Vicky Anstead
0: Radio.
1: Radio. Radio. So Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life that you administer to my heart and may your word be revealed to me today in a way that I would understand it so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A wise man once said, it is so simple to believe in Jesus. I want to say that to you again. A wise man once said, it is so simple to believe in Jesus. It is so simple that so many people do not believe that it could be true. Often when we think about God and we think about um, everything he has in store for us, we think, no, it must be difficult to reach him. Now we need to swing some smoke around, or we need to whip ourselves, or we need to go on a high mountain and stand up there on one foot, you understand, and maybe let a snake move with us. Or maybe we think, you know, this is just a bunch of fairy tale stories. Not true. And uh, there isn't this thing called the historical Jesus anyway the jesus of the bible isn't historical it's just a bunch of fables put together by people three four hundred years after christ which isn't true by the way archaeological findings in the 20th century have proved that fallacy false it came out of universities in the 1800s and now that lies perpetuated the gospel of luke was written by luke one of the apostles and it is one of the most accurate writings from the time of antiquities which is the time of the roman empire And it is widely regarded by many scholars as being one of the most accurate writings from that time because of archaeological findings that were discovered in the 20th century. So, whatever the reason is, you need to understand the gospel is simple. Okay, you you don't need all sorts of hoops to jump through in terms of getting to it. Because of the promise in Romans 4.17 that we looked at last week, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. The God who gives life to the dead. I want to say that again, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things into being that were not. This promise is for everyone. There is no one that is excluded from this promise. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore this promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are of the law, but also those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. And what did Abraham do? What was his faith? He believed God for the impossible. And what I want to ask you today, are you believing God for the impossible? As you're going to see in terms of what we talk about today, this is incredibly important. And this could end up being a big indicator in your life as to whether you're going to end up in heaven or not. As to whether you're believing God for the impossible or not. And Abraham's faith never weakened even when his body did. No matter how weak his body was with age, he believed because God had promised it. And because God said it, that was enough for him. He believed it. Isaiah 52 verse 14 talks about our identity. The identity of people is lost. They've lost their identity. It's gone. But Jesus came to win our identity back, and it's a true identity that Adam had before sin came. And in Isaiah 52 verse 14 it says, But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he, would, and he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Now, I want you to understand about this passage. Notice Isaiah is talking about this happening in the future, but this already happened with Jesus about 600 years after Isaiah wrote this. It happened with Jesus... Over 2,000 years ago, for us, Jesus died to give us our identity back so that we too can startle kings. We too can startle presidents and prime ministers and corporate leaders and judges and whoever are seen to be the top of the top of the top in society. That's what we're supposed to do. I want to ask you today are you ashamed of your faith? Are you ashamed of what the Lord Jesus has done for you? Are you ashamed to go into the world and tell people about what Jesus has done for you? That is something I want you really to think about right now. Because at the end of the day, Jesus wants people to be startled by I'm going to read verse 15 again. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. Kings should stand speechless in your presence. For they will see what they had not been told they're going to hear about a gospel they've never heard about they're going to see things in your life they never expected to see they're going to see supernatural things and then it says and they will understand what they had not heard about
0: we did a tour over in jerusalem to go and see the places that jesus walked i'm walking where jesus carried his cross when he was on his way to golgotha to calvary to go and pay for my sin It's the way of Christ, the Via Della Rosa, and here we are, walking in this place, and here I am, carrying my cross. Now, my burden is for the lost, and the lost is anybody that doesn't know Jesus. We're going down past the Lion's Gate, and we walk down, just to, to walk down to the end of the tunnel. The guide says it's not a good place to be because they were going, they were doing Ramadan, They were the Muslims were on there. And, and man, my, I don't fear. I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm eternal. I'm never going to die. And they've got guns. They've got machine guns. They're like, they're armed up. But those machine guns, my war is not against flesh and blood. We have the opportunity of a lifetime to destroy hell for a living. And one of the ways you do that is by sharing the gospel. Thank you. Bless you. We love you guys, okay? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Hey, do any of you guys have any kind of problems with your knees or your back? Why is that? Because 'cause I've watched we watched so many healings. You do with your back. Your knees are back. They're police officers. There's really police. And they go up and I just, I got to share with them. Father, I'm just going to pray. That's all I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you right now. In the mighty name of Yeshua. I thank you for all pain going away right now. In the name of Yeshua right now. So I'm sharing Jesus with these guys. And the one guy has the machine gun on me. And it's like... It doesn't matter because I'm not there as a threat, but he he doesn't know if I'm a threat or not. It's a high alert kind of place. Amen. Stand up and check. How
1: does that feel? Is
0: it good? Amen. And he's just smiling and just praying for him and just loving Jesus. Man, God loves you so much. Jesus is real. Just sharing that. And he's like, thank you very much. And then we got to go three weeks later I get this text from a guy that was on the tour. He said, did you hear what happened at the Lions Gate? I said, no. And he sends this picture of these two machine guns on the ground and it says terrorists at the Lions Gate came and they killed two Israeli police officers. And one of those police officers was one of the guys, I know for sure it was one of the guys I saw this picture, this sweet guy that was Jewish. That man, all he needed was somebody to share the truth. I don't know who said before. It's not about that. All I know is that I will not stand before God and answer for the life of people. Because I'm going to be a witness like Jesus said. I I want to cry because I'm not in a hurry. There's people that are going to hell. Man, I can't do it. It breaks my heart. (laughs) I It breaks my heart. So that guy got shot by these two terrorists right there and another police officer got killed before the terrorists were killed. I'm not saying that that my words were anything except seed and water and I pray that that man came to Jesus before he went to meet God. See, my job is to sow or to water. Jesus says some sow, some water. God brings the increase. How many Christians have passed these guys by? How many Christians have passed the Israeli soldiers by? And since I found this out, I just sat there and cried and said, God, make me a better witness. I don't want to walk by people. I'd not give them the opportunity for eternal life. Guys, it's time that you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. Let this be a conviction. Watch it continually. Don't sit there and watch people just pass by. Sometimes people think you have to be led by God to talk to people. I'm telling you this, if you can look at somebody and honestly say, Jesus did not pay a price for that one, then you have the right to walk by them. But you can't say that because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever would believe in Him, He would have eternal life. Because everywhere we walk, people are dying. Do you care? that one person in front of you is that important that their eternity hangs upon you being able to witness. The truth is, is that hell is real and we have the kingdom inside of us. Unless a man picks up his cross and denies himself, he cannot be my disciple. Make a decision to diligently seek him with all of your heart. If you put your eye on Him, He will be found by you. He promises. Guys, it's time that we ask God to reveal to us who we truly are so that we can represent Jesus to a lost and dying world. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for holy conviction that we would walk as Christians in a lost and dying world. A Christian, a Christ-like one, one that walks like Jesus says we can walk. Help me destroy hell for a living. But the first place it needs to be destroyed is in your hellish thinking. You don't have the right to live as a mere man when you're a child of God.
1: So I want you to think about... This man, Todd White, he goes out and he speaks. I mean, he's there in the middle of Jerusalem. And many of the people there are either Jewish or they are who don't believe in Jesus or they're Muslim, who also don't believe in Jesus, although they say they do, but they call him a prophet, which means they don't believe in him. Now, how real must Jesus be to Todd White that he's willing to do this? Because you do realize that when you go and you speak to people like that, if you, if you don't really believe, you look like a fruitcake. What is it that gives him the boldness to go and to speak to people like that? May I suggest that it indicates that Jesus has to be real to him, as real as his own wife and his own kids. It's so simple to believe in Jesus. Jesus. When people say that it's hard to believe in Jesus, that's not true. It is so simple to believe in Jesus. It is the easiest thing in the world. But many people do not believe in Jesus because of unbelief. How many of us, if we were walking through the streets of Jerusalem, of all places, would stop and talk to the soldiers and ask them, Do they have back trouble? and then pray for them and ask them, Are you healed? You're really asking for yourself to look like a fruitcake when you do that. People choose not to believe in Jesus. It's called unbelief. Now the thing I want you to understand about unbelief is that unbelief is not the same as doubt. Many times we think that unbelief and doubt are the same thing. They're not the same thing. If you look at Romans 4 verse 20, it says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now, if you look at this passage, you would think Abraham never doubted. But if you go and you look at Genesis chapter 15, which Romans chapter 4 quotes from, Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, where it says that Abraham believed and God created him as righteousness. Romans 4 actually quotes from there. But we see that at the beginning of Genesis chapter 15, Abraham doubted. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham had received this promise that he was going to have a son. That from his own bloodline were going to become descendants that were going to be as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore. We're now three chapters later in the Bible. It's a whole lot of years later. Abraham's a very old man. And now God comes to him in Genesis chapter 15 and says... I am your exceedingly great reward. This is what God says to Abraham in the beginning of Genesis chapter 15. And then Abraham complains because he's doubting. And he complains. He says, yes, but I have no kids and my servant will inherit my estate. So Abraham was doubting. Therefore, when Romans chapter 4 verse 20 says he did not waver through unbelief, unbelief and doubting is not the same thing what did god do when abraham said this to him and abraham's complaining to god you know three chapters in the bible ago you promised me a son now i'm so old i can hardly pick up a walking stick and i still don't have a child and god then took him outside the tent And he did something with Abraham that he's done with every single one of us, I believe, at some stage. And he tells him, I want you to look up and I want you to look at the stars. And then God says to him, can you count those stars? And Abraham says, no. And he says, that's how many descendants you will have. You will not be able to to count them. Today, according to official statistics, there are two and a half billion people that believe in Jesus And according to what we've seen in Romans, every one of those who believe in Jesus are the children of Abraham. And it says that Abraham believed God in spite of the odds. You know what that means? It means he chose to believe. I want to say that to you again. He chose to believe. He was doubting, but he chose to believe. I want to say that again. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. He was doubting, but he chose to believe. He chose to believe that which his eyes that, that, that told him were not possible. God credited this belief to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham doubted. There's no doubt about that. That wasn't meant to be a joke, but I can see why it came out as a joke. What is the definition of the word unbelief? You see, doubt, often you're hoping it's true. I was hoping Manchester United would win yesterday. But I had doubts, and my doubts were fulfilled. I was hoping the Springboks would win yesterday. But I doubted, but my doubt was smashed. They won. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big round of applause for that. Amen. Amen. And if anyone ever watches this from New Zealand, sorry for you. We went and beat you in your neck of the woods. Come and play us, yeah, we'll see. I know you're scared of COVID. Oh, okay. But what is what is the definition of unbelief? Now, in the dictionary it says this you can use the noun unbelief to talk about a lack of belief in something like your unbelief since childhood in fairies. When someone doesn't believe in something, that person has an unbelief. Most often the term unbelief is used to talk specifically about religion. An atheist is characterized by her or his unbelief in God or higher power beyond things that can be scientifically proven. Another word for unbelief is disbelief. Now if you look at the word unbelief as a noun, It says it is the rejection of belief. Unbelief is a lack of belief that is caused by a choice. Unbelief is a rejection of belief. When you have unbelief, you look at the Bible, the Bible talks about the promises of God and you reject them. This is why I said earlier on, if you don't believe in the promises of God and if you're not believing for the impossible you need to start taking a very hard look at your faith because at the end of the day how do you get saved you get saved by believing it is so easy to do what Abraham did it is so easy to look at the stars and to say I don't care what my body tells me. I don't care what my circumstances tell me. I don't care what the calendar tells me in terms of what my age says. I don't care what the doctor says about my ability to have kids. I don't care about any of this stuff. But I'm going to believe that God gave me a promise in Genesis chapter 12 that I'm going to have descendants more than I can count. And I choose to believe you, even though everything tells me it's not true. I choose to believe it. And God says, You're righteous. The difference between righteous and not being righteous is that it is so easy to believe in Jesus. Abraham could have rejected God's promises. You know, sometimes you talk to Christians and they always come up with a reason as to why the promise of God doesn't apply to them. It's very easy to do that. But you do that because you choose to do that. Don't tell me it's so hard to believe. It's so easy to believe in Jesus. Abraham could have rejected God's promise. He didn't. God said you're righteous. That's why rejecting Jesus is such a big problem. Jesus is the promised lamb that came to take away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one because he came and he shed his blood for you. Your sin is washed away and now you can connect with God. Without that sacrifice, without that blood, you cannot connect with God because your sin separates you from God. And any sin you have to realize is against God first and then second it's against the people you've hurt. Every sin is an injustice. If you're saying that God must just forgive you without that sin being punished, you're saying you want an unjust God. But the funny thing is, whenever people have done something to us, we always want justice. We don't want justice, because if we all get justice, we're finished. That is why to reject Jesus' salvation is such a big problem. Because if you reject his salvation, you are still stained with your sins. And I don't care how good the society thinks you are, you are stained with your sins. And you might be the most upright member of society. You might be the one that walks down the street and everyone looks at you. You're the one that gives you charity. You're fantastic in business. You're fantastic at everything. And everyone just thinks you're awesome. And you have a problem inside because you have pride. You're no better than the prostitute or the pimp. You're no better than the serial killer. You're no better than the worst of the worst of the worst. You're no better than the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. Who was the captain of a slave ship. And treated people in a most inhumane way and they died. And when he recognized that before God, he fell at his feet and he wrote to him, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch is the worst of the worst. If you reject Jesus' salvation, you have a problem. And so even if you doubt, even if your eyes tell you it can't happen, the thing I want to tell you today is to believe God, believe His promises. Even if your sin is so bad, you can't put it into words. Even if your shame is so great, you pray that no one will ever find it out. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, no matter how deep the ditches that you may have dug for yourself, believe in Jesus, believe in the promises of God, and you will be saved. The Bible doesn't say you might be saved. It says, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. There is none of us that are righteous. But those of us that come to the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we throw all of our sins at His cross. We believe in the, in the, the power of the blood of Jesus to take those sins away. We believe that, 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 that He died on the cross for us and we believe that the Holy Spirit came and raised Him up out of the grave and we believe that right now He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as our advocate before the Father. If we believe that, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. That's it. Doesn't matter when we look at our lives and we see how terrible the things are that we've done. It doesn't matter. We are saved. And everyone needs it. There is no one that's better than us. There's no one who needs the salvation of Jesus less than us. There's only two types of people when it comes to this. They're those who realize how much they've sinned and therefore love God a lot. And there are those who don't realize that they've sinned, and therefore they love God a little. This is why pride is such a big problem. You've got to believe the promises of God. It's how you get into heaven. Doubt is something God will work with you on. When your faith fails you, you can ask God to give you faith. You can ask Jesus to be your faith. Doubt is not unbelief. Unbelief is when you choose and you say, I will not believe. Now, you could have done that. Maybe you think you finished. Uh, the, one of the apostles named Thomas did the same thing. He said, I refuse to believe that Jesus rose from the grave until I see him standing before me and I'm able to put my finger in, in the holes in his hands and I'm able to put my fist in the, in the hole in his side. You know what Jesus did? He comes and he appears before him and what does Thomas do he falls on his knees he says I'm sorry he repents and he says the words my lord and my god he tells Jesus you are my god you are my lord so God will reach you even if you've done it Abraham's faith though did not waver because he was fully persuaded in Romans 4:20 20 and 21 It says, yes, he did not not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He did not waver through unbelief in what? Regarding the promise of God. He did not waver no matter what was going on, no matter what came against him. He did not waver. He chose to believe God. He chose to believe God no matter what. And you know what? Later in his life, God would tell him to go and sacrifice that same son who was only born when he was 100 years of age and God told him to sacrifice his son, and even in there he did did not waver regarding the promise of God. And it says, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. If you're not fully persuaded, you get on your knees and you start asking God to touch you with His presence, to touch you with His Holy Spirit, and to change your heart, and to change your thinking, to change your mind. If you ask God to do it supernaturally, He will come and He will touch you. But you've got to ask Him. Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to fulfill the promise. He has a big deal about this. If you're not fully persuaded, there's a huge problem. Because when we're fully persuaded, it changes what we do. When we're not fully persuaded, we do not change what we do. We still do the same stuff. We still do the same things. I'm shocked at what people trust. And there's so many different things I can tell you about in terms of what people trust. I'm shocked that so many people believe they are ex-monkeys. You know the theory of evolution? I'm shocked. When you really go and you start looking at the evidence, when you go and look at what they purport is the evidence of this and the evidence of that and the evidence of the next thing, my goodness gracious me, I'm shocked that people buy that. I'm shocked that people tell me I'm a fruitcake for believing the Bible. I'm absolutely shocked when I see the, what, what their evidence stands on for how rocks and water became life. You know, the sun shone, there was water, there was a rock, data. next thing some chemical reaction happened and proteins and synthesis and all of these things just magically happened out of nothing. Boom! There was a single cellular organism, a primordial soup, and then, you know, there was single cellular and then there was evolution and yeah, and, 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 and we are. Bam! Just by accident. What? And you tell me I need faith. Good luck with it. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked people will believe anything in order not to believe god they will believe any garbage in order not to believe god because they choose not to believe they choose it therefore when you stand before god and you chose not to believe in jesus you will answer for your choice we believe god's promises and when we believe them we have a revelation of the cross And therefore it changes our dream. It changes our dreams. And if it changes our dreams, it changes our destiny. I want you to remember something that we taught you before that visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you through visions and dreams. What did did God do when Abraham was doubting? He gave him a vision. He said, look at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. When Abraham saw it, he changed. You've got to see it. If you don't have the dream of God, you're dead. Being fully persuaded opens us up to hearing from God. It opens us up to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings the Bible to life when we read it and that builds faith in our hearts listen to me that builds faith in our hearts and what is the result of all of this we're supernaturally strengthened in our faith i want to tell you it's a supernatural thing it's not a natural thing it's not something that can be explained in a test tube it's not something that can be explained in a lab it's beyond that it is supernatural it is above nature and no matter where you've been and what you are we too can be credited with righteousness I want you to tell the person next to you say we too can be credited with righteousness Romans 4 23 and 24 says this the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Ah, there it is. It wasn't just for Abraham. It's for us. Tell the person next to say it's for us. Genesis 15 verse 6 says that God credited Abraham's belief as righteousness. But Paul says it was not only for him, it's for us too. Everyone who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead is credited with righteousness. That means we are right before God because of faith. It is so easy to believe in Jesus. Are you struggling with your faith? God can restore you. God can restore you when you're struggling. And I want you to think about the last place that Jesus said his blood. When they stuck a spear in his side and the Bible says that blood and water flowed. Jesus died of a broken heart. And that that blood can be applied to your heart when your heart is broken for whatever issue might be going on in your life so that your heart can be restored so that your heart can be made whole so that you can be made new and brought back to the original position that God intended when he created Adam and he had you in mind yes way back in the garden when God created Adam he already had you in mind before the foundation of the earth he had you in mind and so Jesus came And he experienced the ultimate rejection so that we don't have to. And that's why Psalm 22 verse 1a, it actually prophesied what Jesus was going to cry out on the cross. when, When it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that on the cross, Jesus actually said these words. It was my father, this my father, that everything was the father. Until he's hanging on the cross because the father had turned his back on him. Why? Because your and my sin was on Jesus. And Jesus was separated from the Father. And now all of a sudden it's no longer my Father, it's my God. Why have you forsaken me? The reason that Jesus was in this position, the the reason that Jesus agreed to be rejected, because he didn't do it without his agreement. He agreed to do it. The reason that Jesus agreed to be rejected was so that you and I can be accepted by the unconditional love of God. I want you to let that sink in for a minute if you've experienced great pain in your heart or maybe you felt rejected i would like today to invite you to pray to pray and apply the blood of jesus that was shed from his side because that blood is living proof that you are always loved and wanted by god you were always loved and wanted by god For him to allow his son to go through that, to that extent for you, he must love you. He wouldn't do that for you if he didn't love you. And here's the thing, just one drop of that blood has has the power to absorb all the rejection out of your life. And when it absorbs the rejection, it replaces it with something else. It gives you a love explosion. A love explosion that gets added to your life so that you can enjoy the blessing of being a child of God. That you can believe like Abraham did. And this is, this is what you do when you have a problem believing. Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19 says this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, yes you, being rooted and grounded in love. You are rooted and grounded. Your source is in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Here's the thing. You cannot know with your mind the love of God. You cannot work out the love of God. You cannot comprehend the love of God with your intellect. It happens only when you experience it. You can describe it this way. You cannot describe to someone that's never fallen in love what it's like. They have to experience it first. When someone falls in love, other people look at them and see what they'll do for that person and they call them an idiot. Because they're not experiencing the love that you're experiencing. It's the same with the love of God. And I really want you to think about this today. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So Jesus was delivered to death for our sins. So right there, bam, He's punished. He dies. He dies. And He goes to Hades. And He breaks open the locks of the dead and He brings them out with Him. And then he rises again. This is what the Bible declares. He was raised for our justification. We're justified because Jesus was resurrected. Justified means what? God views us as if we've never sinned. Why? By the blood of Jesus, by the crucifixion, and by our faith in calling Jesus Lord. That's how it does it. Romans 10, 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is, is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. Many people refuse to believe that promise. You will be saved. It's a promise. They refuse. They say, No, I won't believe it doesn't matter what your reason is for saying that, but if you die in that state, you're in trouble because you die with your sin. The only thing God won't forgive you for is rejecting Jesus. I want to say that again. The only thing God won't reject you for is rejecting Jesus. So the only thing God won't forgive you for is rejecting Jesus. And so I'm really calling out to you today. With everything that I have, to know that your eternal destiny is at stake. Eternity is a mighty long time. In 10,000 years' time, you're going to be somewhere. Where you're going to be determined by the, the choice you make with Jesus. You know, people say that, some people say it's hate speech to say that. And I'm saying, no, it's love speech. Because everyone without Jesus is dead in their sins everyone is dead but if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead we are saved and so I want you to think about that today your eternal destiny is at stake and um, maybe you're thinking and God has spoken to you in this message and You've, you've understood today why the promises of God and believing those promises is so important. And then what happens is as you sit there, you're thinking, Yo, I need to think about this. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to wait until a little bit later. Let me just marinate on this for a little bit. And I want to tell you, no. God has spoken to you now. And you need to understand in the spiritual realm what he's had to do to get this message through to you now in a way that you got it he's had to peel away layers of demonic activity because the enemy has blocked you from understanding the gospel before and now the holy spirit has has spoken to you and he's saying i want you to come to my altar now which sanctifies everything don't think that you're going to be more effective later this is the time This is the day of your salvation. Don't tell me that your sin is more expensive than the blood of my son. You're insulting me when you tell me that. You can be forgiven of everything if you will believe. Because the blood of my son Jesus is the price that was paid for your sin. So that your sin can be washed away and destroyed as if it never existed. It will wash your sin away as far as the east is from the west. This is what the Bible says. maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking um, my life doesn't matter why would God care about someone as insignificant as me and God says that is another life from the devil you're not insignificant to God he's got a purpose for you and if you accept Jesus through his blood he will give you an eternal purpose not just a purpose for this life You'll, you'll be living for something that, that's going to extend beyond the grave. I really want you to think about that today. And when you, when you come and you make this commitment, what you're saying to God is, Lord, now is the time and this is the time. I can't wait another day. Lord, I'm desperate for you. I want to submit my life to you completely now. I can't even wait till later till I get home. Because I don't know if I'll make it. I want to commit to you now because I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to know that I'm living close with you so that when my death comes knocking, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it because the Psalm 23 says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Your honor and your staff, they comfort me. I want to choose to live close to you from this day on. Because if I do that, my death won't affect me because I'll now be with you for eternity. So right now I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. If you're watching online, please and you've decided you need to give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to send an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That's info at And tell us, I've given my life or I've recommitted my life to Jesus and give us your contact number. If you're sitting here or at one of the other sites, then right now I'm going to ask you if you're needing to commit your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus, then right now while all eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and I see some hands here are going up the leaders that are at the sites please check it out right now make sure that those that have raised their hands some more hands have gone up I'm going to ask one last time is there anyone else maybe the Lord speaking to you and he's saying this is the time this is your moment make the most of the opportunity right now because if you don't make the opportunity right now you never will The Lord might be saying to someone "Yeah," or at one of the sites or even watching online that I've made this opportunity for you. And if you don't make this decision today, you may live another 40 years, but you'll never have this opportunity again. Today is the day of your salvation. Do not wait. Do not wait another another day. Do not wait another moment. Now is the time. And so is there anyone else? Just raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. The site leaders please make sure that you've taken note of who's raised hands I'm gonna ask everyone just to put your right hand on your heart and right now I want you to see Jesus I want you to see me in front of you dying on the cross for you and that blood that is being shed is destroying every record of your sin And as you see Jesus dying there and he's dying on the cross over 2,000 years ago, understand what the word of the Lord declares to you, that this same Jesus who died over 2,000 years ago, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his work stands once and for all. His work stands today just as it did when he died on the cross. The job is finished. Your sin is forgiven. Because his blood was the price that he paid that will wash your sins away. You will wash the debt away with God that you have because of sin. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me as we pray this prayer. And those of you that have raised your hands or if you've, if you've sent the email, mean this prayer, you will be saved. And if you haven't raised your hand or sent the email, you can do so after this prayer. You can go and speak to someone and tell them, I want to give my life. Make sure that you share that with someone. It's important that you testify to this. And now repeat after me, say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice. I know that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion, all my sin. Set me free from any sickness and any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid. There is now standing balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood, I am justified. And you see me as though I had never sinned. And by your blood, I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. I am willing to serve you. Today, I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: to you.